1: Fellas, how's your beach bod treating you? Because Manscaped is here to ensure that your post-quarantine body. Oh, look at that. I can see Brooksy waving his Manscaped uh, lawnmower around. Careful what you say there, Greggy. (laughs) For people (laughs) listening to this. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Don't be the guy at the beach with a bear rug on your chest. And if you grew some quarantine mantits, the least you can do is make sure they're hairless. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. With this exclusive offer for you, 20% off for free worldwide shipping with code Army at manscaped.com. Um Brooksy, you're still a, a keen user of yours,
0: uh, by the way Big of things. time. Do you like it? It can doubles up the torch type thing as well. You're never gonna never gonna miss a spot with that one, are you? <laughs> <laughs> are, you yeah, one do, mate. Better, are you one of the better groomed men in the Somerset dressing room? Um, I don't know. We don't get to shower anymore, so we don't get have a look. Oh, what's the point anymore? What's the point in cricket? It was always the best thing about showering, wasn't it? Uh, games, <laughs> cricket, showering together. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it, I, it's not even a plug. I generally use it semi-regularly. Yeah. So. That's good. Yeah. Wow. Well,
2: if this podcast has brought you one thing, it's a well-groomed bod. I'm so proud of that. Yeah. Well-groomed, ferret. <laughs> well-groomed
1: ferret. Well-groomed <laughs> ferret. What well, um? What about yourself, Chris? I mean, because the last time that we um, well, basically, I mean, we'll be, we we'll admit it, plugged Manscaped on our podcast. The um, there was basically a discussion about whether we'd had any nicks or blood mm. Since mm. you have acquired the Manscaped lawnmower, any nicks or blood bats?
2: No. Fortunately not. The only thing I nick is a cricket ball Saturday afternoon. But um, <laughs> hey, bring it back to base camp. But no, I I must admit, Greggy, it does um it does save the body and, and everywhere else from any unfortunate discomforts whilst trying to make yourself look nice, ready for the summer, ready for your little nice trip to um to the Yorkshire Dales or wherever you go with your top off nowadays, James. It's
0: <laughs> is that the most exotic place you could think of
2: well yeah right about now i was thinking that or blackpool i don't really know where, where's better where, where can you travel to or oh, you can go anywhere Blackpool's really, nothing yet. The, the one thing that i haven't managed to do yet is eat my dinner off it though i know that <laughs> that's that's a, that's one thing that you were quite um honest about before making sure that you're you have groomed enough to eat your dinner off it. Is that still the case yeah it depends
0: he- reggie or yourself yeah <laughs> It was a question. It was
1: a question. Um, I mean I, I mean I've got to be honest, my standards have slipped somewhat um on that on that front. Um and actually, I mean look, you look you know you guys know there was some videos on our Barmy Army social media page when we went round uh, Sri Lanka and me and Chris walking along the beach and uh, I had like the worst the worst rug in the world, like really bad, like bodily hair, like shocking. You know, if you're on the beach and it's going on Instagram to like hundreds of thousands of people. You know, you kind of want it to look in good shape, but I'd like a really bad cricket watch's tan and a really bad rug. But, you know, suffice to say, I have tried to keep on top of it a little bit more, actually. And this one, by the way, also, you don't have to just go clean off with this new one that Manscaped have got, the Lawn Mower 3.0. You can sort of adjust the settings, you know, so you can, you know, if you don't want it all off and just want like a bit of a, a
0: layer. Are you a proper under that.
1: It was that? oh, yeah, it's terrible. It's really bad. But it's like you know, porn star, seventy porn star. I need to, I need, I need, to get on it, on it, don't I? Really?
0: You are a real man.
2: Yeah. What I, think I loved was the um, was would have to be the crop preserver, the ball deodorant, the anti-chafing ball deodorant, and mo- moisturising. Very important for these hot days when you're playing cricket. You've Got to get them on.
1: <laughs> to be fair, we were in the pub, weren't we, tonight, Chris? And uh, your missus did say that ball toner. That was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> That oh wow, so good! All yeah. right, so good. Go out and buy. Let's get out and buy. <laughs> so, the perfect package 3.0 kit comes with the essential lawnmower <laughs> and the crop cleanser, and all your ball toner and the crop reviver, and all that kind of stuff as well. And you can also get um, a limited uh, for a limited time. You can get uh, two free gifts the shed travel bag, um, and also the painted in high performance, reduced chafing, manscaped boxes. We've got a pair of them, lads, haven't we? and they're nice, That's, yes. don't chafe in them, don't chafe in them. Uh, so you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code Army at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. to the Shackles are off podcast and this is another great episode actually, it's David Gower with us this week and we recorded it a couple of weeks ago but in true Gower fashion he was sat in this hotel room, he was isolated and just been commentating on the Pakistan Super League and he had 10 days sat in a hotel near Heathrow I reckon and um, he was quaffing wine wasn't he and he was, uh, he was, he was great value, I really enjoyed it so that's, uh, that's coming up uh, here on the podcast very shortly. But I'm just going to check in and sort of discuss that first test match against India. And Brooks, you just off there, before we started recording a minute ago, you reckon they kind of burgled the draw.
0: And that's probably how it fell, isn't it? <laughs> Definitely, mate. I mean, I know Rootie gave it a big one saying we'd like to try to create nine chances. and but You've obviously put a positive spin on it if you're playing, but... From watching point of view we were well behind the eight ball weren't we we were probably 50 short of something uh that would have been a bit more competitive but you never know really you never know if broad got, got on a run or jimmy started swinging around corners um you never know but it was a cracking start to the series wasn't it it was awesome chris you were there what was the atmosphere like was it was it good and also just nice to have the
1: balmy army kind of back together and indy's always a bit spicy anyway isn't yeah. it
2: Absolutely mate, it was great to be back watching Test cricket at Trent Bridge, not been there for a while, shame about the atmosphere, for some bizarre reason they still don't allow trumpets in or any musical instruments of any sort, so the sooner that changes the better the atmosphere will be, Um, lovely place to go and watch cricket, lovely venue, lovely destination, some good cricket played, but for some bizarre reason they just don't want an atmosphere, so um, if you're listening, anyone on the board at Knotts, sort yourselves out. Nice, but we like a bit. Neil, don't be
1: on the podcast. Go on, Chris. Fuming, <laughs> lads,
2: fuming. I am fuming. I am fuming, but I'm also fuming with Brooksy because there's no way England aren't winning that on day five. <laughs> with that with that sort of weather about Jimmy and Brody, are you telling me they're going to chase that down? No way, mate. No way. I'm just, I'm just here to provide a
0: balanced opinion.
2: Nice. Oh, here we go. He's already practicing for the punditry career, isn't he? <laughs> he is. <yeah.
0: laughs> but if I'm playing that game. If I'm playing that game or in that situation, now I'm backing the backing me in to win the game. Yeah, that's
2: the thing, isn't it? With our bowling unit, on, on a serious note, like the strength that we have um, on a day five when it's a bit wet and when it's in favourable to English conditions, you've got to be a very good player to survive. Jimmy Brody, Holly Robinson, etc. So well, yeah, that, it, it'd be a, it, a great well, finish.
1: It's that thing of like the carrots being dangled a little bit, hasn't it? So they're like, oh, we can get over the line here. So you're not really sure whether, you know, that's that's when it's test cricket. It's most exciting, isn't it? It's a shame actually because it would have been, it would have been really, it'd have been a nipper either way, wouldn't it? I'd imagine. Um, but we'll never know. So there we go, nil nil it is. And also, nil nil might be the score in the test series, but we have our little game now. So whether it's nil nil, whether they draw every test match, we've still got something to play for, haven't we? Uh, Because we, in our last podcast, the Andrew Strauss podcast, thanks for listening and downloading, by the way, Um, if you did listen to that. And if you haven't, go back and have a listen. Um, In our intro to that podcast, we do this when test series are on, don't we? We always have a bit of fun with it. And there's some test match tickets up for grabs or a prize of some description. No one's ever going to win and get it on the nose, are they? I don't think anybody's got really that close in the sort of two or three test series that we've done this. But what we do is we pick a bowler. Never say never, James. Never say never. No, true. all right. We suppose we've got to get people sort of playing and getting people involved in this game, haven't we? So actually, you're right. Everybody's uh, in with a shout out to getting uh, <laughs> those test match tickets. So we pick a batsman and a bowler from England who is going to, um, you know, basically highest run scorer and how many runs they're going to get, highest wicket taker and how many wickets they're going to take. So, uh, Brooksy, you had Stuart Broad taking twenty-five wickets and Barrasso, the top run scorer with four hundred and ten. Millard, you had Jimmy with twenty-seven and uh, Ruti with four ninety, and I had Joe Root six hundred runs in the series, um, which doesn't look <laughs> too bad now, does it? Um, and Ollie Robinson with twenty-one. You're, 20 on. You're on, mate. And that's a good. That's a good start as well because he, he bowled great. So if you have got some, we you know what, we've not actually checked into the correspondence, but we need to have a look at some of these. We'll, they'll keep coming in throughout the test match um, through the test series. So do get your entries into that and uh, we'll read some of the close ones out. We'll try and get a little bit of a leaderboard going at the end of the second test. Um, lads, uh, we've got that sixes the fans uh, event, haven't we? The Fans World Cup coming up. Um, Chris... Tell the listeners about that because
2: some people might live local and they might fancy coming down. Sure. So on the 19th of August, you will find a Mr. Jack Brooks, James Gregg and myself down at Aston Round Cricket Club doing the first ever Fans World Cup. And it's going to be in the sixes format. So it'll be a lot of average, fast-paced cricket. Very fun and, and very enjoyable to be there. There's, there's food stalls, there's the bars open and, and everyone's welcome to come and have a really good day. We've got, we've sold quite a few tickets already. So well, say sold, but we've we've given away quite a few tickets already. There's a free tickets for free, and you find them on our website. But just make sure you've got one because we need to know how many numbers are going to be there. But please come down, say hello. You will also have the chance to be involved with Shackles are Off Live with a Mister Joel Garner, who's going to be there on the day. a Massive guest for the show and the first live podcast we've done for a while, fellas. So it'd be really nice to actually sit around a table and be able to touch you whilst we're talking and, and feed Ooh. off the big man, Joel. Excellent. You know what, true,
1: actually, because we've been doing all our podcasts, haven't we, on Zoom remotely, but goodness knows how long. And before, it was quite funny, that, because it used to be a logistical nightmare trying to get all of us into the same place at once, didn't it? We sort of did some from Leeds when Brooksy was at Yorkshire, and then we went down to Taunton to do Marcus Triscothic. Yeah. And then basically lockdown happened, it forced us to use this virtual way, which actually has made life a lot easier, so that's why we have churned out all these episodes. So if anything good came out of coronavirus, that's one of them. Um, yeah, but I can't <laughs> smell you or touch you or, you know, hug you. You don't want to. I don't want to smell you, Brooksy. <laughs> I'll
0: happily touch you though, mate. <laughs> uh, um, that Sixes event, I'm just looking forward to watching YouTube. play. I'm really a I'm actually a bit nervous. Or? I said
1: this last week, but I'm actually a little bit nervous about it, genuinely. Because I'm not I've not played cricket for like eighteen months at least. So should be having a net night. Chris, can we go for a sneaky net at some point? We'll try and arrange that.
2: Absolutely. Of course. I look forward to it. I look forward to some of your rank leg spin.
1: Chris likes going for a net with me because I'm such a crap bowler and I just basically bowl pies and he just whacks it over my head all the time. So it's like that's why it's fun for him. <laughs> I, I learned nothing.
2: We'll see, mate. I'm backing, you as the, I'm backing you as a dark horse goat for the Fans World Cup. I reckon a few you launchy leg spinners. Not whacking them, are you? Have you got a wrong one as well? I've got a wrong
1: one. Well, I don't know I it's got, going,
2: but he a wrong one. is a wrong one. <laughs> he <is. laughs> yeah, he certainly is a wrong one. Uh,
1: uh, because we've got such a good guest, we're going to keep this intro nice and tight. So, uh, David Gower... Um, quickly, lads. Thoughts. How nice was it just to have a quick chat with it? Well, quick chat. It wasn't quick at all. It was great. He had all the time in the world because he was in isolation. But um, Chris, how did you find Mr. Gower when we recorded this?
2: He's a legend, isn't he? He's just a. He's he's a almost gag a minute bloke, but he's he's great on comms. I've obviously grown up listening to him and watching him on the telly. He's a little bit before my time as a player but I, I know obviously of his great legacy that he left within the game and I've seen him on all the rewinds on Sky Sports during the many rain breaks we've had over the years and seen how much of a, an unbelievable cricket he was and obviously you've got the, the famous days when um, Botham did this thing at Headingley and he was a big part of that day as well so it's, it was great to hear him talk so candidly about his career but also his career after playing in, in Sky and and talking about who's the next generation's going to be for that role as well, which is really interesting to the cricket anoraks amongst us. And I really enjoyed him, thought, thought he was a very pleasant chap, obviously sipping his wine in no rush at all. And I look forward to hopefully um, sharing a glass with him in the future.
1: Yeah, that'd be the dream, yeah, wouldn't it? Roxy, exactly. you said that you'd met it once prior and he knew exactly who you were and you had to kind of pinch yourself a little bit.
0: Yeah, I was a little bit taken aback at the time i remember i was at a charity game and that was hilarious and i spoke to him for sort of 10 minutes afterwards and i was loving it there I was, I was thinking about this is there a smoother man involved in cricket he's <laughs> so smooth in it he? he's so smooth
2: uh, how do you mean do you mean like as in manscaped or do you mean ah. as in
0: oh <laughs> <laughs>
1: fantastic getting the sponsors Chris you're ever the corporate man I love to see it Um, lads absolute pleasure join us next week we'll have another episode out and hopefully England are 1-0 up in the series uh, by the time that we get round to recording that great guests um, and like Chris says as well uh, do uh, try and get down uh, to the Fans World Cup event it will be absolutely class Joel Garner will be there we'll be doing a live podcast uh, which will be pretty cool be a bit different, be a bit more lively, hopefully, as well. Uh, a bit of a few Absolutely.
2: And don't yeah. forget, Greggy, to get involved with the competition. It's not too late. Get interacting. Get in the comments. We want to see your, see who you think is going to be the top run score on Wicket Take. All right, you've got a one test advantage. We'll give it you. But get involved.
1: Sounds good. Yeah, like Chris says, get involved in that. And for the meantime. just just have a little think about that just have a little think about runs highest wickets taker while you listen to David Gower on Shackle Rock David, first of all, it's amazing that you've come on the podcast. It's a real pleasure to hear from you and have you on. Um, I must ask, actually, to set things off, because I mean this in as nice a way as I could possibly begin to mean it. I never actually know how much you love cricket because you are so relaxed and uh, serene when you have been broadcasting and likewise just so level-headed um, when you've been a, a player as well, I don't actually know how much love you ha- you have for the game of cricket. So, do you?
3: Can't stand it. It's um <laughs> it's an appalling game. Um, I no, I I have this. I mean, the, the simple, write, Simple answer has been part of, in fact, a very major part of everything I've done since I was about five. So, um, there's a long history, and I am one of these people. I think. I do love it for sure. And I've loved everything it's given me, which is also very important. And I like to think I've made almost the most of it at all times. Maybe there's a few mistakes crept in here and there. Um, And therefore, nowadays, for instance, it's got the stage where having had pretty much everything going my way for a long, long time and all down to cricket in in essence, I'm now finding myself at a slightly different stage of the career. So having just come back from Abu Dhabi doing PSL there It has been, you know, it's just a slightly different part of the same thing in many ways. But just to prove that, in fact, fact, to answer the question, that's what I've done. Because you might assume that, you know, I might sort of reject something like PSL, but the PSL was huge fun. Um, Working with the people that we had in Abu Dhabi for the last month or so, last three or four weeks was huge fun. Uh, And what I actually get genuine energy from is when you're part of, for instance, a broadcast team, And you've got fellow commentators, yep. So you're meeting new faces, and and they're all fun to be with. But you've also got this group of, give or take, 80 to 100 people who are making this thing work for you. And when you actually talk to them all, they are huge enthusiasts. You can imagine with someone like PSL, a lot of our crew is from Pakistan, obviously. A lot of the crew is from India. Uh, cameramen from all over the world, including West Indies, South Africa, some of whom are familiar faces from way back from tours um you know way back where independent uh, production companies became involved and so that all becomes your energy that actually that's where you get your energy from and although being you know doing a production in almost lockdown circumstances is not as sociable as it used to be uh, i can honestly say i had a really great time doing it so yeah that is that is the love for the game i love being involved
1: yeah, because I was going to say, you know, you're broadcasting there in places like that, that is very similar to where it kind of began, isn't it? It all falls under that banner of cricket and that's what you love and that's what you enjoy. So talk to me about where it began then. So you've kind of given us a bit of an end point there or most recent point, if you like, in in Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Um, talk to us a little bit about where it Began for David Gower, the young swashbuckling left-handed batsman. I mean, I suppose it wasn't plastic bats back in those days, but what, how how did it how did it happen?
3: <laughs> no, I, I go back as far as the curved bat and the two stumps, you know, the original game. <laughs> um, <laughs> the the origins are, I think, very typical. Um, in other words, sporty parents. My father was a great sportsman. Um, he was a very talented cricketer, hockey player at university, golfer, which is something I really can't stand anymore. Um, though, And, you know, generally sort of good all-round sports. My mother had a, a certain sporting heritage as well. So you start in the garden at home. Uh, in my case, actually one of the earliest photographs of me was on what they call the Gymkhana Cricket Club pitch in Dar es Salaam, in what is now Tanzania, when it was still Tanganyika, where my father had been for 20-odd years. And so he was actually, it's a great photograph, if I can find it again. He was there at the other end of the pitch wearing what you might call, I have to use this word carefully, colonial kit, um, if, if people will forgive me that in this current era. So he's got the shorts, the you know the jacket, the almost, I think it was a topi dark glasses. So he's looking very colonial. Um, what they used to call, in fact, it was called the colonial service. So I'm not actually no. making it up, as they say. So he was there at the other end of this pitch. I was there with a pair of red shorts and lots of blonde hair. And a little bat, proper bat. Um, well, as proper as it could be at that age, probably the ages of, sort of three or four, and that's where it started. Then you move on. When we came home, uh, uh, ooh, I was about six when we came home, and you move on to schools, and everything sort of just develops from there. But you're I think for so many, uh, quite rightly, it all stems from parentage and you know, what your family likes doing. And if you have sporty parents, you've got a fantastic chance of being sporty yourself.
1: Yeah, and look, it's all—it's changed an awful lot, hasn't it, since. Well, even July 1975, when you are sort of walking out into the middle for Leicestershire for the very first time, I mean, just I mean, look, Jack, we bring you in on this as well, mate, mm. because Brooksy you you play and have played for a long time. The game of cricket has changed in the county game, but I mean, can you imagine playing the amount that David played, like every single day almost in a summer, wasn't it? I mean, you don't you don't get stats of, you know. 448 1st class matches and a load of, you know, wickets and, 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 and runs and stuff like you do see with some of these old stats without actually just playing constantly throughout the summer. I mean it's amazing, Brooksy isn't it?
0: I think like modern players always moan about the schedules and stuff, but I think the schedules have always been quite busy, haven't they, David? Um Yeah. You used to stop middle of a championship game to go and play a one day game back in the day, didn't you? <laughs>
3: That we did. Um, I mean, part of the fun not was that when they first started doing that, I mean, bizarre, it take, sometimes it takes people a while to work out the pros and cons. When you first started doing that, you could often play a game at home on Saturday and go somewhere completely different for the Sunday game. So you could go from Leicester to Taunton uh, on a Saturday night and come back again on a Sunday night and resume the game you first thought of. So they got the hang of that pretty quickly and started to make fixtures in the same place. But I mean, the number of times... You would go from a three-day game, and then, what was the classic what was the worst? I mean, I think one of the worst was say going from Manchester to Brighton <laughs> overnight. Yeah. So you you know you arrive somewhere at one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. Um, check into a substandard hotel, probably. <laughs> um, I mean <laughs> there were all sorts of things. I mean, they and you get up in the morning and try and play a game of cricket, which you know, your youth and energy gets you through. But I mean, there's some hotels in the 70s, where we turned up, I think it was at Tunbridge Wells one year, uh, which is a lovely ground, the Neville Ground at Tunbridge Wells. And yeah, OK, it's, it's also the place of my birth. So I was quite interested by Tunbridge Wells. And I had an aunt who lived there who was probably going to come and watch the cricket. But we turned up at this hotel. And the guy, it's a small sort of provincial hotel. He says, um, who'd like tea and coffee in the morning? You know, the old sort of system of bringing you a cup of tea or coffee in the morning. And we started to say, oh, I'd like a coffee, please, A tea, please. And, no, 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 hang on a second. I can only do six people. Why? Because I've only got six cups. <laughs> okay, junior member, you know, Illyworth, you know Raymond Ellingworth, captain of Leicester, England. God knows, Raymond, you can go first. Have your cup of tea. Um, so those are the joys. You know, those were the absolute joys of sort of playing game after game after game. But again, sort of going back to the original question about the love of the game, you're actually quite happy doing that when you're 20 years old, because it's just fun. And you go from game to game and you hope you get a few runs and you know, the better you play, the more you enjoy it, and
0: life goes on. Love That's to fantastic. see
3: it. It's a good way. Mm. A good
0: way
3: to make a living, though, isn't it? It's 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 worked until now. Yeah, it's worked until now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, get, I mean, getting the England call up for goodness sake. I mean, that what's mm. can you remember where you were actually on that front? Where, where uh, were you when you got the call up? It's very different now to where you probably found out via a press release or something. Can you remember? Where you probably.
3: Were? No, I probably had to be. I, I don't know, because in the old days you didn't get a phone call. I mean, it was lovely. It's it, it's very sort of lovely. You got a letter through the post from the Test and County Cricket boards. So the TCCB would send you a card, very nice embossed card, with all the England colours around the edge. So sort of the blue, the red, the the gold, and you'd be officially invited. So it'd say, you know, the TCCB or the Secretary of the TCCB invites David Gower filled in. To represent England on you know, July the eighth, and uh, the first test against Pakistan at Edgbaston, and in the bottom corner it says RSVP. So someone like <laughs> Donald Carr, who was—that's lovely. You know, someone like Donald Carr, who was secretary of the, of the TCCB in those days. You know, his phone number, the office number, would be in the corner. And as far as I'm aware, no one's actually phoned back and said, you know, "Sod off, I'm busy." <laughs> um, you know, it's, it, you know, I'm sorry, sure I, was I, having a bar- I was having a barbecue that weekend. I, mean, I really can't play. You know. So yeah, that was sort of the quaint old way of doing it. I mean, things are a lot different nowadays, and obviously the one of the great things that improved rapidly was the, the opposite end of the scale, when if you were being unselected, deselected, or basically dropped, or all three at the same time, um, you used to find out by all the wrong methods. So apart from a few exceptions, and people unable to be contacted, from now from a certain day onwards, at least people were phoned up by either the captain or the manager and told, look, I'm sorry, but you're not playing the next game. I mean, there's Jeff Miller, who you you will know very well, I'm sure, and Dusty, who is one of the great after-dinner speakers and has used his experiences to great effect. <laughs> I don't know how many thousand lunches and dinners he's done, Dusty, but he always tells a story when I'm there. He says how when I was captain, must have been uh, 84-ish, possibly, um, I rang him up one day and said, um, I'm really sorry, Dust, but... Um, Oh no, no, it's the other way I said, Dust, what are you doing? the rest day of the test match coming up next weekend. Um, I'd like you to come to my house. We we're obviously playing at, say, Trent Bridge, my house in Leicester in those days. I said, I'd love you to come down and you know join us for a barbecue. I'll be having you know, cooking from midday and all the usual stuff. And he said, Yeah, I'd love to. I said, Well, well, you have to make your own way there because you're not playing in the next game, I'm afraid. Um <laughs> and it- <laughs> you yeah, oh, sorry, yeah, by the way, yeah, I'm sorry, you're not you're not playing in the next game. It was one of those sort of convoluted conversations which it wasn't quite as bad as that sounds, to be honest. But uh, yeah, in the course of saying, look, I'm really sorry, you're not playing in the next game, I was trying to soften the blow by saying, come and join us for a bit of a barbecue. In other words, you're still a valued member of the squad, it's just the next game you're not playing. And wow. I can't remember or not whether that was the end of his career, but it's... Um, <laughs> I've, I've heard that things, one, David,
2: it's, it's a very good one. It's, yeah, well, it's a little bit better than being removed from a WhatsApp group, which I think is how they do it
3: nowadays. <laughs> the other, the other, actually, the other one, the other fun one is... When we used to meet, I mean, instead of all this sort of three or four day preparation or the bubbles, thank heaven, but you know, the three or four day preparation was completely alien in the mid sort of late 70s, early 80s. It was Wednesday afternoon, the day before the test match, cup of tea at three o'clock, quick net if you wanted one, take a couple of catches, another cup of tea, go back for dinner, uh, have something nice to eat, maybe a bottle of wine, You know, a few bottles shared around, team talk, and get up next morning and play a test match, which had a certain rhythm to it. But at the same time, you would be given that first night, you'd be given an envelope full of complimentary tickets. So, um, you expect to have five days worth, four tickets each day. And again, remember when I was captain once, it was Arnie Sidebottom at Lord's who sidled up to me after the end of the the team dinner was having a quiet drink in the bar before the sort of curfew. And Arnie comes to me and says, "Um, should I read anything into it that I've only got tickets for the next two days? (laughs) Ah, yes. Um, Well, I know I said just now that we're all in contention, but yes, you probably will be 12th man tomorrow um really sorry about that but that was just sort of classic minor cock-up where you know someone hasn't quite thought it through and all those nice things you say all those things you say it's genuine about keeping people in the squad and who knows if someone's going to be ill overnight um but yes you've you've normally made your plans so just want again you just want to include someone as best you can it's quite embarrassing when the system lets you down like that of course how much
0: did you how much did you prefer that at the beginning of your career with sort of test match prep like that like a couple of cups of tea and a glass of wine and everything like that compared to like the professionalism at the end of your career was it a happy medium or were you just thinking actually this is better for for the game longer term and obviously it's changed so much now anyways but yeah
3: well i think jack i mean the honest answer is it's a lot better now um in in the sort of in the whole professional sense because you know first thing what, what else would i've liked i'd have liked the odd gap in the summer um, when things get ten, I mean, I re- remember coming back from in one of my worst summers, the, the 89 Ashes series, which was going horribly wrong, and coming back from Old Trafford, where we'd basically already lost the Ashes after four out of the six test matches, and being told by Mike Turner at Grace Road that you're going to play in the tourist game, which starts the day after, come what may, because you've got to play. Uh, I was probably captain of Leicester at the time as well, but it's one of those classic examples of where in the modern system, you'd you just have said, "Look, I'm knackered. I'm, yeah, you know, I'm I'm at a low ebb. Can I have the game off?" And that would have been easy. Whereas in those days, you just gritted your teeth and got out there and played and got ten and got out and lay down again. So, it's 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 a very different thing. I, I think one sort of so the when I, mean, I was never a great trainer. I've I've always confessed to that. Um, but you get brought up in a certain era, so I was always able to get away with that up to a point. And if you are you know, if you're starting a career now, I think even from school days, you train harder. So actually people, I mean, the kids coming into the game now, I'm assuming, are almost used to it before they get thrown into this professional environment and they're sort of brought up with that sort of system. Um, and I was lucky, I think, also that as a relatively fit youth, uh, relatively athletic youth, um, it didn't take long to get to some sort of match fitness. Especially, of course, as a batsman, you know, Jack, you'll understand there's there's a huge difference between you know the batters and the bowlers <laughs> in this game. Yeah, mate. Yeah, with the uh, the bowlers, the workhorses. We're the fit ones, aren't we? Well, yes. Put they put the yards in, mate. Put the yards in.
0: <laughs> we get the physical pain. The batters get more mental pain, don't
3: they? We just get the old broken finger. That's
0: all.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> just that hide down a fine leg, yeah.
1: Just talking about your <laughs> foot, fir- <laughs> yeah, nice. I'm just talking about you. You've you know your first England call up, and you've got that telegram, and um, it's all beautifully gold plated, and it's got the little sort of yeah. calligraphy yeah. on it, and this kind of thing. Just imagining that. Did you imagine that that would be the only one that you ever got, or did you, the young David Gower, the you know that we were you a confident, brash David Gower, and he thought, "I'm going to get plenty more of these through the post." Or was it? Um, you know, was it a case of wow? I, I best get this framed.
3: Somewhere in between, right? Um, it's not framed, and there's because the, because you get one every game. There's an envelope somewhere, probably in a box, probably in a suitcase, probably in the attic, which has these mementos. And um, when times get hard, I'll sell them off one by one. Um, but the you <laughs> at that stage because you I, mean, I was what I was twenty one, so the excitement of playing, and I I was in good form, so I wasn't sort of thinking you know, everything's right, so everything is right, so it's a perfect storm, you're in good form, I'd made 100 against Pakistan at the Oval in a one-day match and was looking forward to playing. Um, I hadn't met people like, for instance, Bob Willis, who was part of the test team before, I don't think, and sort of, you know, lovely, lovely Bob, it was also big, bad Bob at the time, he was quite an imposing figure and potentially a very stern figure to, to come and meet for the first time. So you, you sort of blend in, but again, you've got no time to worry about it, you've got no time to think about it because you're there on a Wednesday. And all I do remember is, I think it was Graham Roop, Cyril. Uh, Graham Roop, who took me after the team dinner, just took me for a a, a glass of beer or something and just basically said, are you nervous? Are you comfortable? Are you happy? I'm fine. You know, he of had a beer, went to bed. and Yeah, but just one person took the trouble to say welcome and good luck, as it were. Um, I mean, Mike Brearley, who was captain, already done that in his way. And I was just looking forward to it. So you know, at that stage of your life, you're not worried worried about whether you play one game, ten games, or hundred games. You it is just the sheer excitement and love of being there in the first place, to be part of that team.
1: Shield Berry wrote this in the Observer, friend of the Barmy Army. From our uh, well, we had a great time with Shield, by the way, in uh, Newlands. Yeah, he's, he's like a good man. Top man, isn't he? Yeah. Top man. Um, and uh, he, couldn't, he couldn't keep us out of those nets, could he, Chris? In, at Newlands when there was a rain delay, and Poor Elizabeth. Unbelievable. He wanted to have a bowl at us. It was great. Uh, really keen. But he wrote this in The Observer uh, around the time that you kind of started playing for England. I think you probably know what's going to come here. Uh, might have been more at home in the 20s or the 30s, cracking a dashing 100 for the MCC before speeding off in a bigatti and a cravat for a night on the town. Now... <laughs> See, when I read stuff like that, it, I, 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 I'm smiling. I'm glad that you are as well. That yeah, is. That's
3: so Jack. I mean, Jack's. I <laughs> <laughs> can just imagine him pulling up to a game in a Bugatti wearing a cravat. Right? Well, I mean, I'd love to be able to do it in a modern Bugatti, but they're coming at about 1.3 million, don't they? That's something up the yes. now. Yeah. <laughs> but no, there was. Uh, it's all, actually, all those things. I, I still quite enjoy playing up to it. I, mean, I know it's not true, um, and there are you know. I mean, would I've enjoyed the twenties and thirties? Well, I, I you know, again, you make the most of your era, um, and I know. But I know sort all of these these things that, because it's essentially complementary, um, and it sort of fits the image, sort of fits the public persona. I mean, it's, it's not necessarily a reflection of the inner self, but it. Yeah, I quite enjoy that sort of stuff. Great. And especially when it gets a laugh from Jack there, who's thinking, "Yeah, who is this? Yeah, who is this? <laughs> I'm sorry. If I had a cravat with me in this hotel, I'd, I'd have stuck it on for you." But um, this is shame.
1: If you were at home, <laughs> you could have just you much. could have just picked one off the peg, couldn't you? You know,
3: I'd have you know, rung rung the bell, got the butler in, give you know, me, you know, me the MCC cravat. <laughs>
1: Fantastic. <laughs> so
3: we've With the pandemic, we've had to cut back on staff a long, long way. I'm really sorry.
1: Yeah, the furlough scheme didn't extend to them.
3: Was on furlough. Yeah, he had had to go. He was getting a bit cheeky. I just
0: find it a little bit surreal. I'm a little bit older than Mm. um, than Chris and Greggy, but I just remember growing up watching old footage of you on VHS of cricket entertainers and Botham's ashes and everything. And you sort of the people you grew up watching. Um, you're always holding it in a different light to, to guys you play. Even like England guys that I play with now, I don't see as the same as the likes of before. But it's it's mad when I, I met you briefly last year and you knew who I was. That was crazy.
3: <laughs> yeah, Googled you quickly. It was a no right. <laughs> <laughs> I that face. <laughs> Jack, David, You're infamous. You know that. No, I don't know about that. <laughs> Hopefully for the right reason.
1: What was that? Was that the headband rather than the cravat? Wasn't it?
0: it took a a worldwide pandemic for my fashion to catch on I never saw the cravats coming out in test cricket last year (laughs) you
2: never know Jack, don't rule anything out after this year David, um, doing a bit of research earlier and looking Mm. at your stats obviously 117 test matches, a very good batting average of 44 one stat that surprised me though that I want to know more about is one test match wicket now I didn't know about this until I looked it up. So can you please explain how that came about?
3: Uh, I'll give you the circumstances, which was we were in India uh, towards the end of a series, I think, and very much at the end of the game. So the was one of those games that was um, never going to end in a result. And as captain, I think I was able to bring myself on at a crucial moment with you know minutes to go. Well, probably actually, I gave myself a 20 minute spell, I think. Um, <laughs> And I was bowling something which luckily would be illegal nowadays, i.e. the high full toss, um, which, I mean, I'm not, I'm not that proud of it, to be honest. Um, I'll give you a quick, okay, we know it's India. Do you want to have a guess who my one victim is?
1: Oh, dear me. Uh, well, it's,
3: not, it's not just some wanton tail ender, you know. It's, just, it's a cap- proper... Not capital Dev, mm, is it? It is indeed capital Dev.
1: <laughs> 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 there we go. There we go.
3: There you go. But I think it's quite funny out. because we had the partnership the Partnership was going. And so it was just we, we, the last 10, 15 minutes going for a draw. Kirikamani, who was about this high um, and was sort of standing back on his stuff. These, these were well-directed lobs. I have to say they were very, very skillful <laughs>
0: lobs.
3: Uh, and he was defending sort of with his gloves in front of his face. I dropped one slightly shorter and Kappel tried to hit it from, we were in Kanpur at the time, trying to hit it out of Kanpur into the neighbouring state. And just miscued it, and I forget who was it caught it, but some poor bastard. It might even been Graham Dilly, <laughs> who had bowled on the flattest of pitches for five days, barely got it above stump height. And you know, Dill was properly sharp. You know, he was a proper fast bowler, very talented too. But he barely got it at stump height for five days. So I pitched up at the end, lobbed this thing in the air, and poor old Cap- and Capel lobs it towards him. So he probably had, you know, thirty seconds to decide whether or not to dive in the wrong direction and let it fall safely to the ground or do the decent thing and catch it luckily you caught it and you know it stands in the record books as you have now discovered which I love
1: fantastic that's great that's brilliant have you ever spoken to alistair cook and compared notes on the on the test wicket thing
3: <laughs> well um nah, well, not really no i mean his I mean his was down the leg side wasn't it or something wasn't it a strangle he was he yeah. was he was, was doing he was doing
1: he was doing the bob willis impression as well wasn't yeah. he which was yeah. incredible
3: yeah well, I mean, it was yeah, it was a passable impression. Um, about sort of 40 miles an hour too slow. Um, was, yes. you know, whereas I like to think mine was a you know, defined skill. Yeah. All of my own, you know, something I'd honed and worked on.
1: The footage will be of that somewhere. I'm gutted I've not watched it I, prior to talking to you.
3: We need to get it edited into the podcast. We do. Would, <laughs> I'd be amazed if you can find it. This must have been 1984, 85, somewhere around there. So I'd, I'd be amazed if anyone was still watching, let alone a cameraman. Uh,
1: I love to see that Um, David drops in form inevitably happen in all sports and they will Mm -hmm. continue to happen in all sports probably till the end of time Um, but one thing that you can't do and you can get lucky with is choosing your teammates isn't it and Mm -hmm. it's something that um, you can get lucky can't you you can get lucky and you can have a great bunch of lads in a dressing room or you can have well a couple of people you don't quite see eye to eye with and this is something that I'm sure you've spoken about many times before was that something that you you kind of look back on and you just think you know what if I had just 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 I, I don't know accepted them being these people for what what they were and how much they irritated me or do you actually think no no that's that was that was kind of fair i mean because nobody's ever going to know kind of what went on behind closed doors is it something is yeah it, something little
3: no it's not a big problem mm-hmm. um all those tours we would have me you, know, you, you inevitably when you, when you've got the freedoms that no one has at the moment even when you're in sort of middle of nowhere sometimes uh, but when you've got the freedoms to be out and about and all the rest of it then you obviously have your better friends um you have the people that you naturally get on with and you would naturally spend more time with them you know, out in the evenings. Um, But you've got a team as well. I mean, only very rarely, and certainly one thing I'm never going to do is name names, only very rarely did you find yourself on tour with someone who wouldn't fit in completely. Um, There were degrees of fitting in, and you have to, I mean, for instance, I'll give you an example, which is not an offensive one, which is someone like Chris Tavere, who is a, in many ways, an underrated Test player, but, you know, worked his socks off to be a Test player, Gave everything. Yeah, Chris was a, a more sort of introverted character, so and very bright and very interesting. If you did want to talk to him, but not a not necessarily someone who's going to be tapped on the shoulder by Ian Botham, and told <laughs> we're going out for a drink. <laughs> so you have that sort of um, variety of characters. But yeah, but Chris was part of the team. So I mean, it, it's, in no way did he not fit in. There are others who, didn't gel, um, and I'm sure there are people who have. Been on a tour and not being on another one, only because somewhere in their notes it says, well, you know, sort of maybe mm. not type sort of stuff. Yeah. But by and large, all the people that we toured with from that 1978 Ashes tour onwards, um, there were some fantastic characters, there were some fantastic tourists, and I think you always need that blend. I mean, there are people who are just naturally good at getting on with life wherever they are. Um, and, I mean, for instance, I was very lucky that some of my early tours, John Lever of Essex, um john otherwise known as stan um john was brilliant because wherever he was he found a way of having a bit of fun i mean we found ourselves in jammu up in the north of india one year 81-2 um and it's you can see the himalayas from there it's a big vast plain at the foothills of the himalayas in the morning it's freezing cold by midday it's 30 degrees and he wasn't playing the game we had three day three day game up there when we finished the game the hotel which was a rudimentary affair decided to put on a sort of celebration. They had a marquee at the back. They had um, curry buffet. They had a band, sort of three-piece band. God knows what they were playing. And they had a record player playing one Bee Gees record. So the band would play for half an <laughs> hour. They'd play one side of the Bee Gees record, go back to the band again, go back to the Bee Gees record. Uh, but anyway, John wasn't playing the game. So he decided that, um, as there were no women invited, he would pop to the market during the day. And he went into the market in middle of jam. He found himself a nice floral dress a long black wig, a Buston halter, uh, a little bit of eye makeup and all the rest of it. So he pitched up at the party that night looking, well, as drop-dead gorgeous, <laughs> as you guessed at short notice, <laughs> in Jammu in November. <laughs> Which was all quite good fun. I mean, he was a great character. I mean, he was happy to play along with this. But then there was a, sort of a crucial moment, and there was a bit of beer around, so people were quite relaxed, and we sort of made the effort because the hotel had made the effort. And round about the eighth time we'd seen, we'd listened to... The so the Gibb brothers, and God knows where um, name me a you know, name me a Bee Gees hit. You know,
0: I've um, yeah, uh, heard that for the eighth same. time.
3: Yeah, there was John was on the dance floor, by himself, being approached <laughs> by this very sturdily built um, <laughs> local gentleman, <a> Sikh gentleman, <laughs> I think, judging by the turban. He was asking him to dance, and you could just about hear the plaintive cries of help. <laughs> okay. but of course you know, as Brilliant. as a loyal team we left him to it you know for at least 10 minutes until we <laughs> right, <laughs> just right. to make his escape but i mean there are as i say people like john were great because at all times you could actually i mean if, if even if you were down all you need to do is sort of look at you just have a chat with him for instance So, you know all the, the good tourists and you're fine again you know so all these all these things all these places you go to and of course there were some venues um you know in some continent especially where in the games in between the test matches you're in anything but luxurious accommodation where you need to sort of kind of come together as a team so people like that were invaluable and only very very few found it hard to pitch in
1: looking at people like bumble and beefy as well who obviously you then toured with well for what 20 odd years with sky you know all yeah. around the world watching england and elsewhere That is, I mean, what are they like as tourists? Just give us a bit of an insight. I mean, we've had Bumble on to talk to him on some of our platforms and stuff. We've never spoke to Beefy. We've not managed to pin him down just yet. We will do at some point. But what are those two like as tourists, eh? What are they like?
3: Um, Right, well, Bumble, you know. yeah. Um, So Bumble is almost certifiable, um, but very funny. And, you know, he varies between taking himself off. I mean, say, you know, Lord's Test Match, you'll find the grottiest pub, Within three miles of Lords, as long as it's got decent beer, and that's his that's his venue for the night, or maybe a curry house. Beefy, um, you probably know that we've had to. I mean, when I was working with Sky, and before that, we used to have rosters, as it were, to decide who went out with him <laughs> Because <laughs> um, you know his consumption in his heyday was legendary. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's great. I mean, Ian Ian is a fantastic character with. Um, some of the most bulletproof self-confidence I've ever come across in my life. Um, but, and a huge thirst. So, I mean, I've seen him many, many times um, consume what, for most mere mortals like me, would be an experience that would lead to death, probably. Um, <laughs> and he survived I me. Mean, he, he was always bulletproof. So I mean, we could have a big night out. I mean, he's, Taunton, for instance, he was normally deputed to take people out. You know, the danger men from the opposition have a lot of something to drink with them the night before and make them completely incapable of playing the following day. And he was always fine by 11 o'clock or two o'clock, whenever he needed to be fine by. I mean, there's people like Sylvester Clark, who we sorted out, I'm sure, a historic story where, you know, Sillers had a night out with Beefy and was bowling slow, medium pace the following day. <laughs> so it, it, it could work for him. And I, and I spent a lot of time with him over the years. We have a lot of shared interests. Um, so I've sort of, I've tried to learn to pace myself rather than try and drink with him. And whenever I've drunk at his pace, it's ended, shall we say, messily. So um, it's just a life lesson. But you've got people like him. Actually, the the, the interesting thing about Ian is that he is a super confident character, which is what influenced his cricket, influenced the way he played his cricket immensely. Um, And if he has a bad day, he has a way of just shutting it off, forgetting about it and trying to start again afresh the next day. He tries not to let these things build up and worry him. Um, when he was captain of england this sort of gung ho 24 hours a day you know 24/7 approach was too much for a lot of fellow players who couldn't work at that same pace very few people can work day and night at that same sort of pace and be able to play on the field by 11 o'clock the following morning so you have to sort of kind of you know work with that um but at the same time it was you know, it always has been a you know great privilege to be part of a team that had ian botham in it because you were there to watch things like the 81 ashes which were we've set up a few dinners this summer as well to try and hark back to that you know the 40th year anniversary of those of those events so we've got these dinners at Birmingham at Leeds at Old Trafford and one at the Oval which we're trying we, at least we've got the agreement of all those that played in those games pretty much all of them to come and join us uh pending the, the restrictions being lifted for covid so you know it's always good to look back at things like that which were momentous times and good to have someone in your life like Ian, who, let's face it, is one of the you know the major figures in our game since the Second World War. Mm.
1: And sport. Yeah, so
3: you, having him mm. as
0: one of your best mates is a, is, well, it's a privilege, isn't it? And it is not it well, um, yes. how one. How much truth is it that he was a bit wary or too scared to play any practical jokes on Peter Willey on when he was around? Ah,
3: a, a lot of truth. Peter, <laughs> and Peter who's one of my favourites as well, He was when he was with us at Leicester, after he left Northants and came to Leicester, um, and it was my uh, alternative. He was vice-captain to me to start with, then he got the captaincy and probably switched around again. But Pete is brilliant. Pete was a very straightforward, no-nonsense c- character who would look you in the eye. Whatever you're doing wrong, he would tell you straight away. He was, he was great, absolutely great. I'm very, very fond of Pete. Um, but he was also the man who was built strongly enough that if he got any sort of SH1T from Beefy, He was about the only man in the dressing room who could actually push Beefy up against the wall (laughs) and say, yeah, don't do that again. Um, And there was a lot of mutual respect there. I mean, Pete, for instance, if you think back to that mid-'80s era when the West Indies were all-powerful, Pete was in the side and, you know, battling away as everyone had to. And he made the odd brilliant 100 against the West Indies. Just there's one at Antigua, I remember, um, you know, cutting it over point of the quicker bowling, cutting it square for six. I know Antigua's not the biggest ground, but even so, you know that sort of metal, yes. that sort of brilliance, that sort of fire. I mean, I, I love Pete. He was a, and again, he'll be part. He's coming to, to these dinners in the summer. Um, so I will not be insulting him. I will not be backing up myself up against a wall to be hoisted <laughs> onto a clothes peg somewhere, and hopefully in an all He's a he's a he's, legend.
0: He's boy.
3: one of the he is one of the few that can resist the practical jokes. Yeah.
0: He's fantastic. I've had a bit to do with him, obviously, since yeah. playing at North Hans, playing a lot with with his son, who's got exactly the same yeah. personality. Yeah. Um, he's also managed to keep the same haircut since his whole career his cricket career as
3: well. Yeah, well some people don't bother, do they?
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> not
0: everyone Jack, can be the style icon.
3: Well, <laughs> I didn't have
0: the uh, the blonde curly locks of the pin up of the you were the housewives pin up weren't you for about fifteen years. Um more than that.
3: Uh, no. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> <laughs> no was, um, that has its pros and cons, let's put it that way.
1: Fantastic.
3: David, you've had a you've obviously had a, a
2: huge career with Sky, and you've you've mm. seen the inception of the Barmy Army being the Barmy Army podcast, we, we we should touch on this really. You've seen yeah. the growth and progression to what it is today. We all know you are looked at us quite fondly. Have you got any good touring memories of seeing the Barmy
3: Army all over the world? Um, well, the one thing you guys give is energy. Um, and whenever, wherever we've been, if there's been a sizable contingent. Um, I mean, the only complaint I've always had is, you know, some of, yeah, you know, some of the words, some of the lyrics need working. I think I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's not quite. Um, who can I? Uh, let's stop, let's not complain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we can. Well, yeah, be, be different. Um, no, the energy that comes from that. I mean, I know, for instance, the the current era of players, um, you have really appreciated the support they get wherever they go. In the days, of course, up until eighteen months ago, where um, you know, you guys would come in numbers. I mean, for instance, the last test match I watched abroad was one in Cape Town, yeah. which is now what? Where have we now? It's probably 18 months ago, give or take January last year. Yeah. And we were, I mean, again, not working. One of, the, one of those rare experiences, not working, but actually drinking with, I was five okay. floors up, if I can admit that, five floors up with you guys probably just down there somewhere. Yeah. So we had, you know, the, so the big bank of Barmy Army just in front of us. And while we were slugging down the gin and tonics at level five, you—I don't know what you were drinking down there. Probably <laughs> Castle Lager. <laughs> in, Lager
2: Castle, Castle Lager. Castle Lager in huge
3: quantities. <laughs> you know, obviously hydrating, of as per medical advice. Um, and that sort of energy is is brilliant. I mean, it, it, obviously we're looking now. You know, the last couple of days we're looking at football. I've got Wimbledon on the TV, um, and the the energy you get from a crowd, and as, as a player. Um, I mean, some of the greatest thrills were. Firstly, for instance, walking out at Lords with 25,000 there, most of them on your side, but equally walking out at, say, Sydney or Melbourne, where with, say, 40,000 and 80,000 respectively, most of them not on your side, there is a huge buzz just from the energy of any crowd. And I think we'd have been rather grateful back in that same era if instead of having 80,000 of whom 23 were English, we had 80,000 of whom maybe 10, 15,000 were English and therefore making... The right amount of noise it does give a huge fillip, i think to the players so yeah. um and having seen it grow from literally two people yeah and uh, the origin of it having seen it grow from that and the t-shirts and the camaraderie i mean that's brilliant. it's brilliant it's come on remarkably well i mean there was a the precursor i don't know if you remember it was the prior to that first tour where the barmy army was established we had the the light infantry Right. And we had the first the first I saw of that was, I think, was the 81-82 tour of India. Yeah. Where there were five of them yeah. wearing khaki and pith helmets, cycling around India from test match to test match. <laughs> wow, and wow. they wore the khaki. You know, they call themselves um it was Keith Fletcher who was captain. So they were sort of Fletcher's light infantry. And when uh, when Bob took over as captain, they became Willis's light infantry. Uh and this on that India tour, you can imagine four months in India, and they had probably a good 10 days to get from, say, Mumbai to Delhi, as an example. But a huge effort. And eventually when we realised they were doing this for the whole tour, I mean, they were staying in hostels and, you know, eating what they could, drinking what they could. Eventually when they, you know, became a regular fixture, we said, well, hang on, where are you staying? And they said, do you have any... No, no. So we got them in, actually. We invited them in (laughs) to our hotels to have a shower and clean up and freshen up and have a beer and stuff. And they were fantastic. And I've seen a couple of them... You know, 30 40 years on, one of them lives in Perth in Australia now. Who came to a dinner I was doing a couple of years ago, a few years ago now. So, you, but an extraordinary effort and um, just the effort that went into that to get around. Um, obviously, nowadays it would be a little unwieldy to ask the entire Bami army to come in for a
0: shower
2: <laughs> in a hotel, but the busy hotel
3: it would indeed yeah, It would be a long queue up the street. Um, but it's I think it's fantastic the energy that it gives to you know, a game abroad, especially.
1: It's brilliant. I mean, you you never got to. I mean, you did get to play in front of some big crowds. And also, this is something that we talk about with Jack. Actually, the county cricket is, you know, when you played. I mean, you'd you'd pack you'd sell sell out for county games, wouldn't you? Near enough, or you'd Um, you'd be fairly full for some for some days plays. You know that that's that's remarkable.
3: Yeah, to be honest, um, the key era for that was just before. So, I mean, for instance, if you talk about say roses matches as the guaranteed full house that was still a little bit before me right um i have to admit that grace road was not necessarily the panacea uh, for full crowds <laughs> to watch county cricket um if you got to a quarter final or a semi-final then you'd have a crowd yeah um and that's what i enjoyed both the grace road i'm trying to think you know the odd fuse quarter final semi-finals we played there and we did get to lord's finals which again hugely special um Especially, In fact, it's really nice because even when you've got, say, test matches under your belt and you've been to Lords for a test match, to go there with your county team for a, you know, for a B&H final, say something like that, and knowing how much it means to the other 10 who maybe haven't done that sort of thing beforehand, that's that's enough to sort of energise you again. But for instance, you know, Grace Road was never a, a huge crowd puller. Um, we had crowds for the, the bigger games, yep. Yeah. And then we had people coming down to Lords for the finals. Hampshire, the same sort of thing. At Northlands Road, the old ground, which could probably only hold about 5,000, the atmosphere was special when we played, again, the same sort of thing, semi-finals, that sort of thing. Um, because although it's not a huge crowd numerically, the atmosphere, they're all close they're all close to you. Mm, so you get that same sort of buzz, even from lesser numbers. And, and that's always very special.
1: That's always a great atmosphere. Do
0: at
3: Scar- you haven't played much at Scarborough, David? <laughs> Uh, not much. I played, I think I had one one game up there. And the irony is, I remember playing up there, we played the Sunday, we played, probably played the weekend up there, we played the Sunday game. Um, and this would have been, must have been Leicester or Hampshire in those days, it probably Hampshire. But it, the Illy, Raymond Illingworth, was still playing, aged about <laughs> 73 or something. You know, he was, <laughs> Illy was in his 50s and played on Tremendous. the Sunday, still doing that thing he'd always done at Grace Road, sort of bowling you know, tight, flat, non-turning off breaks. And I was—I re- I annoyed myself immensely because I thought, well, I really, I've really i really got to sort of show him who's boss here. And on, it was a low, flat, not particularly nice pitch. And I tried to hit him over mid-on and failed. <laughs> so, you know, the master put the pupil in his place yet again.
1: <laughs> yet again.
3: Yeah.
1: Just as you thought you'd seen the back of him. Um, we've sort of yeah. started off by talking about broadcasting and your broadcasting career it is amazing and i hope you do sort of really accept this compliment because i am a a sort of a young broadcaster and i'm finding it hard enough as as me doing what i'm doing at the moment right and trying to get to the top and trying to get to that top level so the fact that you've also captained england and to Ash's glory and played hundred odd Test matches and also done what I'm striving to do. It's a little bit sickening. Um, so, Good. so yeah, which is always nice, isn't it? But from from that perspective,
2: you either it or you haven't already, obviously.
1: Correct. But what was that? What was I suppose for you? It was almost like a seamless thing because you went into the punditry and then you sat into the presenter's chair. It was like a a gradual thing, and what was your kind of approach? What was your style? What was it like when sort of working for Sky? Because it's not really like Sky had had anybody before that. You know, It wasn't like they'd had 10 different examples of presenter for you to kind of take notes off or watch old tapes of and and that kind of thing. What did you go into it thinking?
3: Well, I mean, the first thing you're right, I mean, I did bits while I was still playing. Um, I had a really good... Crash course. I went down to the World Cup in Australia, New Zealand, '92, and spent the six weeks of that working for Channel Nine, which was a fantastic education into that industry. Richie Benno, of course, being part of Channel Nine, and equally so Richie being part of the BBC coverage. That when I made the transition, which is what '94, I spent six years working alongside Richie with Tony Lewis, who was very, very suave and urbane and calm as the presenter there. And in the course of that, learned a lot by doing magazine shows, radio shows, you know, working my way through the media. Um, the one thing I wasn't quite so good at was writing. I mean, I, I like words, and I mean, one of the things I think you should do as a broadcaster is value words and find ways of saying things. It's um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but I, I enjoy all that. So the broadcasting grew, and I suppose the so the honest truth is you you're never going to nail it first time. So I look back and I saw some of the videos when I was doing something called Gow's Cricket Monthly, which is like a BBC Two magazine show. And we were recording links outside at places like Arundel. And I looked at them when I sort of, a few years later, I thought, they're appalling. (laughs) You know, they were absolutely dreadful, but someone let me get away with it. And But over the course of that summer, for instance, we went from doing outside links to sitting in a studio, and what they call um, recording live. Well, you know, in other words, it's recorded. If you make, if you cock it up, you know, it can be edited. So it's not live, live. So we, you build up the experience, and as I did that, then things started to come into place. So it started to work out rather nicely. But I think the it's exactly the same as anything else. Um, the moment you think you've nailed it, and you relax too much, is the moment you make a mistake, and there are plenty of those over the years. Um, and the one thing you learn then is that if you mispronounce a name or say something that's a made up word by mistake or say something you really shouldn't have said, and you're looking at a TV camera and it's on you, the best thing to do immediately is smile. I mean, there's also, I mean, There's one, there's one classic which I remember from recent years. We are at lords in, uh, in the studio at Lords, I was talking to Michael Atherton, who I think is brilliant, and probably, and probably had another guest as well. And we had a feature on Charlotte Edwards. Um, obviously with the women coming more to the fore over the years. Very nice feature on Charlotte, who is um, described as the most capped England women's player. And we watched the piece, which was nice, and I was about to, you know, saw the payoff at the end of it, the pickup. I somehow managed to say, there we are, lovely piece on Charlotte Edwards, England's most fapped women's player. Now, the good news is, (laughs) the good news is, it's not a word. Yeah. The bad news is, it sounds like if it was a word, it wouldn't be very nice. No. <laughs> and so others, be- <laughs> others being others just burst out into laughter. So you can't, you can't, it's not as like if you can hide it or pretend it didn't happen. And you have to sort of pick yourself up from there and sort of, no, 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 what I meant to say was you get most capped. And it's a big change, actually, because in the days of, of Ritchie, Ritchie would say things literally like, one of his quotes was, well, if you make a mistake, let the viewer worry about that nice and just ignore it just let the viewer worry about that brilliant and he would never you know he'd just he'd move on I mean I once saw Richie bless him who was you know the best he was brilliant and great to learn from and great to talk to when I was working with the Channel 9 one of those winters um, he was live in a studio which happened to be in the commentary box so it wasn't separate at all it was just over there somewhere and at the tea break he made a bit of a muck up and he said uh, sorry chaps can, uh, can I do that again uh, no Richie we're live all oh, right right and he just carried on and you have that sort of unflappability, so you learn from the unflappability of the best. Mm. And actually, what the, the other thing you learn is that at home, people actually quite like a cock-up. They quite like it when you say something wrong or as long as it's not genuinely offensive. Obviously, yeah. there is a line, thou shalt not cross. So all the all the errors actually become part of part of folklore in, in a sense. And you, but you move on very quickly, you know, so the, it's not as tragic as you think it is the first time you do it. Um, And I always tried, I mean, honestly tried to maintain standards as best I could. So there'd be that thing when you're 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, and you're counting down to live. So you think, well, okay, right, now's the time to speak properly. Now's the time to be relaxed. Now's the time just to get it done. Um, And when it worked nicely, I was very happy with it. And if there was ever a sort of an off day, I'd be self-critical before anyone else was.
1: That's a good way to be, isn't it? It's a good way to be. Yeah before we yeah. go um, I'm sure the lads will probably have maybe a couple more things to ask before we go what do you think of the current England crop it's been weird hasn't it and I suppose if you haven't been in a broadcasting capacity as much in the last year or so yeah. you might not have paid loads of attention and the bubbles and that's that kind of thing it's not like being on a social so you might have switched off from it I might you might have to correct me on well. that but what's what's the current crop looking like to you David?
3: Well, yes, I do keep in touch with it. Um, not as avidly necessarily as if you're working. Um, and I do know about bubbles. I mean, just come back from Abu Dhabi. I know all about the you know, life in a bubble there, which is I'm now speaking to you from a from confinement. You know, I'm, I'm confined <laughs> at Boris's pleasure for you know, another five days. Um, but at least I've managed to find a bottle of wine and get a corkscrew smuggled in. So, you know, life is not quite as bad as it might have been. But there, there are some seriously fine players around, aren't there? Yeah, um, I mean, for instance, you know, Joe Root is as good as it gets as a an England batsman. You look at the one day side, and it is pretty much all conquering at the moment. And you look at the talent, you look at the way things are played, look at the way things are done. Um, there is an enormous, there's a, a, an enormous amount of talent around. The, I mean, you could kind of go through the list of names, and we'd be here for a long, long time of players who are really, really good. I mean, the one, the one downside at the moment seems to be that with well the big downside is with all these lockdowns and bubbles and the rotation when I mean, there are people like you a know, great example is chris wokes who's just come back into the team and is showing everyone what he can do albeit against the sri lankan team that's not at its best um but he's showing people what he can do and yet he's hardly bowled a ball for 12 months yeah. because of well obviously some father of some rather extraordinary circumstances and your know, rotation policies that left him out i mean i that's it's a very difficult thing to manage. I grant you that, and I grant the, the management that. But there were things this winter you think, well, why have they not, you know, reacted? You know, for instance, I mean, what's the, the example I've quoted a few times here and there is Johnny Bairstow getting runs in Sri Lanka and is suddenly you know back in a test side making hundreds and playing really well. What happens next? Go home.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. You know, yeah, off you go. Yeah. And yeah.
3: You know, <laughs> Crazy. I just, I just think that times like that, as a player, I mean, yes, of course, he was going to come back for the ODIs. And yes, there's all this time in bubbles. And I can't necessarily relate to that sort of experience for each individual. But as a player, you'd think almost automatically, I'm getting runs. What do I want to do next? I want to go home. No, I want to carry on playing. If I get Norton, if I get a pair in the next test match, then I'll put my hand up for rotation. But in the meantime, let's try and get another hundred.
2: Brilliant.
1: David, absolute pleasure. Is there anything else you want to add, lads, before we uh, before we get going?
2: I, d- I did have one question for him, but it was more of a yeah. trivia one, asking you, you to want- have a li- have a little bit of a guess. It oh, was, here we go. <laughs> out of the current England Test crop, who's the yeah. next broadcasting David Gower? Who's gonna nice. who's, who are we gonna see for the next twenty five years on Sky? <laughs> it's a good
1: question. Um,
3: do You know, I have. A, I'm tempted to say I have, a, I have a record that was produced probably thirty years ago now, which was the original. There's only one David Gower, um, which is now a bit warped. It's on vinyl. That old thing called vinyl, and it got left somewhere warm, so it's now unplayable. Um, but it's a, it's it's a, it's a classic tune with a great lyric. Um, repetitive, I grant you. The of all the people, of all the people who've started to get themselves trained up. Um, I'm trying to think who I've listened to. Stuart Broad actually. Stuart is doing really well, I think. Yeah. Because he's come on. Um, you know when he's been available and has talked since <laughs> and has been sort of, should we say, more balanced than he is when he's appealing for an LBW and a review. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, I think Stuart who yeah he's he's got that sort of um sort of voice which is you know it's it's not overexcited, um which I like. I mean you can obviously having done a bit of T twenty now, one of the dangers is not wearing you know headphones to protect your ears from the shouty <laughs> folk. Um, but someone like Stuart, I think, is, has got the potential to be calm, analytical, useful, insightful, and could, therefore, if, if that's what he wants to do, then I dare say he'd be very welcome.
1: There we yeah, go. he'd be top going yeah. to be and top be in media, aren't they? And I've got one yeah. for you.
3: I mean, Jim, Jim, Jimmy's gone from being monosyllabic and unable to answer a simple question to being actually quite garrulous now, isn't
1: it? (laughs) Well, it goes back to what you were saying, doesn't it, a little bit about playing up to that character, you know, the the driving off in the Bugatti thing. I mean, Jimmy Anderson, I don't know what character that would be, but it's certainly not Bugatti, (laughs) is it? I think it's
3: still like a fast car. I think Jimmy would still be very fond of a fast car. Mm, I
1: agree. I agree.
0: Quick question, David, before, before you go. A little one. Um... For all our millions of listeners and for me, what <laughs> bottle of wine would you recommend? A reasonably priced <laughs> bottle of wine would you recommend for a nice summer's evening? Both uh, and wines. <laughs>
3: um, no, healthy, healthy, friendly, uh, confrontational. Um, I can't recommend both of wines, can I? I mean, I really can't. <laughs> no, <laughs> you can't. You can't. <laughs> um, I, okay, the, it's a long, I mean, I, I love the experimentation. So the, the bottles I've arranged for my, um, quarantine here, I got from a, a, an ex-colleague of mine who, and I've gone sort from every continent. But if I have to sort of drink a bottle of wine as a sort of final, this is it, um, I would still go for French, I'd still go for Claret, and without breaking the bank and leaving some inheritance for my children, uh, my favourite is a thing called Lynch Barge, which is a lovely, lovely Pouillac. Um Sadly, I haven't got any with me at the moment. Um, Mm-hmm. But it goes well with I me. Mean, it's it's a tremendous wine, and there's some beautiful wines out there, of course, from all around the world. So, um, the the great answer to that is don't just limit yourself to one. Just go for them all.
2: <laughs> <a> great, answer. <laughs> great answer. Very balmy army esque. It is. Well,
3: yeah, it, yeah. In in adversity, just doing what you can. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We've gone from cravats to claret, and I'm not quite sure how, but David, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for talking to us um, on the podcast. And um, I do look forward to seeing you uh, sort of covering your ears up on some kind of commentary of some franchise cricket at some point on the TV uh, soon. And hopefully, actually, it's a lot more than that, um, because we do miss you on the telly, actually, a lot. And I mean well, that. Oh, well, thank you. So, thank
3: you. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously might as well say I'm available for hire mm. um, as best I can be, but the, the opportunities are a little, little sort of less frequent nowadays. But, yeah, I'm always, always keen to be around it. We've got, um, while you guys are travelling, you're probably aware, I'm, I'm also involved with a company called Black Opal, who are um, hoping that we're going to be, for instance, in the West Indies in January and March, that sort of time, uh, in which case I'm assuming you guys will be uh, hoping to travel in the same direction. I think so which means it'll we'll be a be competition sure. between the, the lynch barge toting black opal uh, crystal glasses and the <laughs> carrier beer brigade just in front of us, which will be a good combination.
2: Just a great a mix, a perf- yeah. the perfect storm.
3: I <laughs> Absolutely. they sponsor Zach Crawley as well, don't they? They do, yeah. I mean, yeah, they sponsor Kent now. Um, they'll be... I mean, Zach has been... Yes, Zach's an ambassador. And Actually, talking to Zach, I hope he finds some form, because so I think he's a very, very talented individual mm-hmm. um you know that 260 proves something um but i think we again it's, it's a good lesson isn't it because you have your ups you have your downs when you've learned how to get back from your downs to get back up again then life is great
1: yeah not half here
3: we go there's a mantra mm-hmm. for life
1: it is indeed it's, indeed it's a good one to it's end good. on it's a great one to end uh, on
3: we'll do a live show won't we, Millard?
0: we'll have to get a 80s revival live show with david Manny, get yep. them all
2: absolutely absolutely we will
1: pleasure Absolute pleasure, David. Enjoy the rest of your isolation, if at all possible. You've got the wine and Wimbledon to get you through. The two Ws, yeah. perfect. Uh, thanks so, <laughs> thanks so much, Enjoy. and uh, we'll talk talk care, again guys. soon, hopefully. Thanks, pleasure. David.
3: All right. Well, all the Stay best. We'll care, see mate. you somewhere. See you somewhere. Nice see you. See right. you. <laughs> Bye. Network.